Hey traders, welcome to a Performante podcast. Today is September 16th, 2021. Today's a little bit of crypto banter. Uh, we'll be going over some information on the SEC. We'll jump into um, Elizabeth Warren talking a little bit about the high fees that Ethereum has, kind of an interesting focus there. We'll jump into some news about AMC. We'll talk a little bit about basically how to earn free crypto. Yep, you heard that right. We'll then get into some insider trading on NFTs, which is kind of an interesting um, new play. I don't really know the regulations, but we'll get into that. We'll talk a little bit more about the amount that Ethereum is burning, because uh, I believe it's 70% of the transaction fees are burned with the new rollout of the EIP 1559. And then we'll end it off sticking with Ethereum, talking about Vitalik Buterin. So thank you very much for tuning in, and I'll pass the uh, first article on to Nathan. Just to jump right in here, we have some news coming out of the SEC. And uh, specifically, Gary Gensler says that the SEC is very understaffed to tackle their current uh, their current launch plan in that they are having trouble keeping up with the fraudulent China linked businesses. Those have been a hot topic of discussion. Uh, they're having trouble keeping up with the IPOs and SPACs that have been hitting the market because there's been so many companies going public and so many special acquisitions hitting like Palantir, for example. And last but not least, of course, crypto is the, the elephant in the room. It is a very large legislative nightmare when we are talking about the financial implications of regulating the asset, taxing the asset, and kind of defining the legal liabilities with the asset. And ultimately, although they do reportedly have a staff of 4,400 people, Gary Gensler says they want uh, around 6,000 to be able to deal with uh, the current crisis at hand of a lack of regulation and a lack of ability to keep up with it. And it's interesting to note that it seems kind of like the, the demands on the SEC are only going to increase in time as it goes on because I think our financial markets are only going to become more convoluted, intertwined, and dependent on regulatory, uh, regulatory clarity. And uh, there are some interesting meetings this week that happened with the SEC. Uh, one of the commissioners asked if uh, Gary Gensler were a crypto enthusiast's daddy. <laughs> They're like, Gary Gensler, do you consider yourself their daddy? And Gary Gensler was like, no, what? What are you talking about? Oh, my God. So I think there is a bit of a lighthearted approach with it, especially with Gary, because he does teach a blockchain-based course at MIT. So I think he does have a firm understanding of the industry. But ultimately, at this current point, it seems like there's a disconnect between what the SEC recognizes they need to do and what they are actually capable of doing as an organization. Yeah, extremely well said. Um, I think it also is interesting because um, I think many people are aware there is a shortage of workers in the Western world, Canada, America, kind of um, Europe as well. And you even see it in these um, government jobs. So I think this is a good reflection of what's happening within the greater economy. And moving on to the next topic, uh, still talking a little bit um, about the government side of things. Elizabeth Warren is um, taking aim at high Ethereum network fees um, <laughs> so that they could wipe out small investors. It's really interesting to um, 
see the government try to tackle extremely high fees on Ethereum as um, one of their main focuses out of all the things that could they, they could be focusing on. Um, Senator Elizabeth Warren is saying that it could um, basically wipe out small investors and um, is needing some attention. So um, it's kind of interesting to see the government actually consider this. I'm not really sure what the take on it is. I don't think it's just trying to help out the small small time investor. I'm not exactly sure what um, their end goal is, but interesting to see them bring it up for sure. Yeah, because in premise, the idea of cryptocurrency is all about financial inclusivity. And we've definitely talked about this in a previous podcast where the high barrier to entry, for example, in NFTs or transacting on the Ethereum network at all, does introduce a very high barrier. And so it's interesting to see of all the problems that Congress and the larger government entities could tackle with crypto regulation. They're like, yo, but gas fees could hurt the little man. <laughs> when, when have they ever cared about the little man in the context of a financial sense, a political sense? But now they're like, well, if little Timmy wants to only buy $100 of cum rocket, that's not <laughs> possible because the fees are over 500 Like, it's a very paradoxical approach in terms of how they're actually approaching it. And to me, it just shows a lack of understanding for the industry because they, they there's a specific comment made that the government should regulate gas fees. That's impossible. There's oh, no man. way for a government to introduce like a static cap to how much an Ethereum transaction could cost. And it's just uh, a blatant evidence that we have people from a different age in power. We have people from a different age deciding our financial laws and regulation. And in some sense, there's always going to be a disconnect between what happens, what they think is going to happen, and how they want to regulate it. And Elizabeth Warren is just really bringing that perspective into the limelight as she's talking about a limit to how much gas could be charged for a transaction. It's like, come on, just stop talking about it. Go back to the retirement home. Try not to wander out so much. And maybe we can get your nurse to shackle you to the bed. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. That's too good. Very true, though. Um, totally different age. You know, they think they can control interest rates. They think they can control gas fees. Um, I don't know if some people are just unable to make that transition. Um, at a certain point, I'm not really sure when that point is. Um, there's no switching to the old legacy systems mindset to our current generation's ability to um, basically revolutionize the entire financial system. So I think uh, individuals potentially like Senator Elizabeth Warren are um, just people who aren't able to change. And um, um, over time, that will uh, sadly, obviously, um, change just due to how things work um, in life. But um, yeah, interesting to see uh, boomers bring up topics that I never thought they would ever even consider bringing up in in the realm of um, possibilities is talking about how how high gas fees are. I don't even think they might not even know that there's like different alternatives like Solana's new network and stuff. But um, anyways, not getting off track. We're going to be continuing to move on here. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about AMC. Um, they have actually just rolled out a uh, tweet here where they are talking about accepting payments of cryptocurrencies for online tickets and concession payments by the end of this year, end of 2021, um, which is pretty unbelievable. I think not many people are actually going to part with their Bitcoin um, just because the fees will be high. Uh, maybe when Lightning comes out, it would be a lot cheaper and it might be more of a possibility. Um, but they are also expect expecting to 
um, be able to take Ethereum, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash. So Litecoin, I can definitely see it has a lot cheaper of a fee structure compared to things like Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, I think it would be great if they were able to take a different form of payment, like Cardano would be really good, Solana would be really good, um, Binance Coin would be really good, um, anything that has really cheap fees, but uh, they are currently looking to take Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash at the end of this year. Yeah, pretty big move. AMC was one of those companies that really got caught up in the meme stock mania back in January and February 2021. And they did an interesting move there where they sold some stock in order to cover their debt and basically buy themselves time. And now heading forward into the tail end of 2021, it seems like they're kind of setting themselves up in a position to succeed heading into the new year. So adopting cryptocurrencies for online tickets, as well as concession is a pretty big move. Um, it might be a PR stunt where they're like, maybe we can get these crypto degens to come to come to movies. So true. <laughs> they could just be trying to milk that cash cow for what it's worth. They could actually believe in crypto. It's hard to say right now, uh, but ultimately another company adopting crypto and potentially adding it to their balance sheet is never a bad thing in the space. And okay. so to move on to uh, the next point here, we're talking about Coinbase Earn. This is a free way to earn cryptocurrency. Really, all you need is a Coinbase account and the capacity to answer some simple basic questions. Every couple of weeks or months, they add a new coin onto their roster where you basically just have to succeed in some learning modules, take a quiz, and you get given uh, a specific amount of the cryptocurrency. Sometimes it's $5, sometimes it's $30. I remember one time they were giving away like $35 of BAT, basic attention token. And I never use Coinbase, but one day I decided to open it and it was worth like 100 I was like, damn, yo, thanks for the free money. <laughs> uh, and so right now they are doing one for Chili's or CHZ. It's kind of a NFT platform that's designed to service large sporting industries. And there's only three questions. Uh, for reference, the first answer is sports and entertainment. The second is fan token offerings. And the third is the USA. Simple as that. Maybe rewind to this portion of the podcast if you want to keep it simple. I can't say the questions are too challenging, but hey, enjoy your free crypto. It's a nice wholesome way that I guess Coinbase and Chili's is giving back to their community, spreading education and promoting adoption. Yeah, that's pretty well putting it on a silver platter. So um I'm sure it is much appreciated by everyone listening, for sure. I have def definitely heard of Chili's um, listening to podcasts and portfolio managers in the crypto space talking about it. So um, it is a pretty interesting project. Um, like Nathan said, yeah, basically um, trying to utilize sports, um, and, and, or I guess the interest of sports and the ability to make voting decisions or be more part of the community in certain sporting um sporting um areas in, in terms of like uh like if it's baseball or soccer or whatever the case may be so um really interesting i'm not like a massive sports fan obviously but really uh interesting product project targeting a very large space and moving a little bit more into a different space we're going to be talking about an nft trader um on OpenSea um got banned because he was insider trading basically purchasing nfts at very low prices and then presenting presenting them on the home page 
for um, a significant amount more. So he's basically flipping them, um, kind of different to the insider trading that we normally see, going off of, for example, earning calls that were really good or were really poor, and you either long it or short it, and you're able to basically front run what the market's going to do or what the market's expected to do. So you're able to basically have an edge in the market that way. Um, this NFT trader is using different methods of getting in early, being on the first floor, and then being able to get a lot of attraction, a lot of interest, and a lot of eyes in front of the NFTs that he owns. So then there's a higher probability that people are going to be betting on or um, yeah, basically bidding on his NFT, and that's going to be raising the price and he's able to generate a lot of money. So interesting way to insider trade. Um, and I kind of looked into it and our uh, Nathan and I, we looked into it and there actually based in New York. So there must be some sort of regulation involving it. But because NFTs are such a new space, um, it'd be interesting to see if they actually have any repercussions due to this insider trading situation. Yeah, his name is Nate Chastain. And the reason this all came to light is because he owns a CryptoPunk 3501. Um, and basically, uh, he was the head of product for OpenSea, where he was able to buy projects for really low prices. And then effectively, it was his choice to feature them on the front page. So the price inflated, and then he would dump his bags. And how he got caught is basically, he would buy an NFT, he would sell it after it gone up in profit after committing the insider trading part and increasing its accessibility. And then he tried to launder the Ethereum, but the Ethereum ended up going into his main wallet. And the reason people could figure out it was his is because it was the same wallet that his CryptoPunk was held in. People are like, well, it's a one of one. So if you're the owner and this Ethereum's coming in, then clearly you're insider trading. And uh, he was forced to resign by the rest of the OpenSea uh, board directors. And I'm looking at his Twitter now. Everyone's kind of conflicted about it because I think he played a very big role in OpenSea's success. Uh, but now in his Twitter bio, it says past and then tags OpenSea. So I think there's a little bit of conflicting emotions because he did play a big role in the development of the platform. And it's interesting because it's hard to define if it's actually insider trading because this area has such low regulation and oversight. There's not clear boundaries at all because all he did was increase accessibility to the projects. He didn't make a financial move based on information he had. It's a little bit of a weird gray area. We'll see if there's any follow-up from the legal perspective. But for now, he has resigned from... OpenSea, and we'll see what comes next with this story. So stay tuned. Join the Discord if you haven't. If you want to stay in touch, we talk crypto all the time. We'd love to see anyone and everyone tuned on in. Definitely. Moving on to the next topic here, we're going to be talking a little bit about Ethereum. Uh, if you didn't catch it, our previous episode for the Performante podcast dove deep into the platform projects. This would be like the Ethereums, the Cardanos, the Solanas, the Polkadots of the world. Uh, we talked about the tokenomics, we talked about the use cases, uh, the fee structure, like really getting down into the nitty gritty and trying to understand the pros and cons of each of the projects. So definitely, if you haven't checked that out, highly recommended. And um, we talked a little bit about the EIP-1559 uh, implementation or launch, basically, which transferred the protocol from a proof of stake to a proof of uh, sorry proof of work to a proof of stake and introduced transaction fees that burn ethereum basically remove it 
from the total supply of Ethereum within the market. So you're seeing a deflationary pressure created from the 70%, I believe, that is burned for all the transaction fees that are taking place within the Ethereum network. And as of right now, since August 5th of this year, 2021, because that's when the EIP-1559 protocol was actually introduced or the, uh, the proposal was introduced, we see over a billion dollars worth of Ethereum burned. So that's not a long time, August 5th, and today is September 16th of the same year. And we've already seen a billion dollars worth of Ethereum removed from the total supply in the market. And if we just continue to see this with the 70% of transaction fees removed from the market over time, um, as long as we're seeing transaction fees remain the same or continue, this is going to shrink the supply as well as the ability for long-term holders of Ethereum to stake, which is also reducing the supply because you are basically completely removing a certain amount of Ethereum out of the market, out of the um, pool of Ethereum that is currently traded, which is then going to reduce supply even more. And it's just going to create less and less Ethereum to purchase within the public markets. And that's going to drive prices higher. So really interesting to see. Um, that much value extracted out of the market. Yeah, 100%. It's just a true example of a deflationary currency as we are seeing that supply demand shift. Obviously, we will see implications for the price of Ethereum as we head towards the infamous Ethereum 2.0. And so to finish off this podcast episode, we got some more Ethereum talk, specifically talking about its creators, Vitaly Buterin. Uh, he recently got named amongst the top 100 for Time Magazine's most influential people for 2021. Uh, I'm just trying to see what specific place he looked at. It doesn't look like they actually named which one he was. In my opinion, let's give him number one. He's an OG. <laughs> He's revolutionizing the financial space. But it is oddly wholesome that he is getting this public recognition. He's no longer just a weird weeb on the internet that created ethereum to substitute for wow gold because that's really what it was created for back in the day he's really come into his own developed as a human has a purpose and is able to affect the lives of millions if not billions of people in the future based on his hard work and persistence and it's really good to see that he's getting the recognition that he deserves because our society i feel like is built upon idolizing people like kylie jenner who I'm not going to say she didn't work for her money, but her family was rich before she was rich and it's selling cosmetics and the dream of plastic surgery and fitness to minors. This man is, he's revolutionizing the financial system day by day, week by week, month by month. That is his mission. And I think in that instance, it's a very holistic and wholesome thing to give him because it's recognition that he's on the right path. Wow. Extremely well said. I think that's an awesome place to end it there. Thank you very much for tuning in. Today is September 16th. This was episode 66 of the Purple Monte podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. And until next time, have a good one.